the many other churches within our relational mission family and beyond believe that by planting additional churches in any given community is the biblical norm and effective way to spread the good news of Jesus. This also helps to build relationships with people being added into authentic church for ongoing discipleship. I suppose by the end of this morning, I would like to encourage you to engage with a missionary. I'm sure some might not be engaged with a missionary or a project or some mission aspect connected with the church or even beyond the church. Maybe you haven't had that interest before, and here are three ways that you can do it. You can link up with a person or a project personally and register your interest. Sort of put your hand up to it or talk to someone about it. Say, I'm interested in what you're doing. I want to pray for you. Secondly, maybe sign up for a magazine that has a missionary interest. And there are two missionary magazines particularly that are available within our community. One is a Barnabas Trust magazine, which gives us provocative and interesting stories throughout the world, especially amongst the persecuted churches. Also, there is a Christian Literature Crusade magazine, which Iris has and prays from regularly. And here's what's going on around the world. So you could sign up to a magazine, or you could sign up to Compassion, which actually registers and supports children in other countries. So I suppose at the end of this morning, the object is to be practical, to get us in a place where we're actually having an interest in something and praying for it. Of course, the other thing we can always do with these organisations is give some money. So maybe we might be challenged to give into a specific cause or reason. The Bible, oh, why should I mention the Bible this morning? The New Testament recognises that the universal church and the local church are the same but different. A believer or a Christian can be part of a universal church but not necessarily part of a local church. When we're added into the universal church, when we accept Jesus Christ as saviour, we become part of the universal church. But there's also the dynamic is that we get connected into local churches. Then local churches have missionary interests throughout the world. A local church may accept and endorse gifts and ministries. The universal church doesn't have a universal eldership or bishopric, which does that. Endorsing gifts and ministries is done within the local church, not the universal church. So there are the same things, but difference. And the other thing is Jesus is sole head and leader of the universal church, and there is no other representative delegated for that role, not even Peter the Apostle. Leaders and elderships are delegated within local churches, not the universal church. That is the biblical pattern. So this morning, we're thinking globally. But in Acts 1.6, reads, So when they had come together, the disciples asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, 
It is not for you to know times or season that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's our global focus this morning. So the local church, Beacon Community, should always have an outward-looking DNA beyond its own borders and interests. And we're going to look at some of those this morning. Beacon has those through our relational missional family and within our in-house family. Beacon regularly gives financial support for mission beyond our borders and interests. You want to know more about that financial giving? Paul will give you the details, won't you, Paul? Excellent. So what's our global focus going to be? Mainly in-house, because I thought that would be more interesting to us, what we find in-house. So we're going to go to Uganda. We're going to look at Christian Literature Crusade. We're going to Ukraine. We're going to Brazil, Nigeria, and maybe Peru, but they're going to be quick ones, all right? They're not going to be long things drawn out, I hope. So first of all, we could have slide number one, Paul, which shows us some encouraging global statistics taken three years ago. They're on the board here. Pentecostals and evangelicals are growing the fastest. Atheism has peaked, 27 million less than in 1970. Percentage of the unevangelized is shrinking. I think that's good news, isn't it? That's an amen. Three years ago, so it must have changed by then. It must have increased, I'm sure. First of all, then, we're going to go to Uganda, and if we can have the video number one, Paul, and we're just going to look and remember Gith and Catherine Asuku, who serve in translation work in Uganda. We give them regular financial support. Let's look at this clip. My name is Catherine Asiku. My name is Gift Asiku. I work in the Literacy and Scripture Engagement Department. My role is to coordinate the Bible translation and language development work. I first came to Uganda on a short-term placement to work in literacy. I met Gift, who is now my husband, and I've ended up staying a lot longer than I planned. We have two boys called James, who's eight, and Simon Peter, who's six. They love living in Uganda because there's a lot of freedom. They can go out and play. Our day starts at about a quarter past six in the morning. The boys have to go to school much earlier than they would in the UK. They have to be there by 7.30. We ride on that road to the school. And then we go and collect the milk, which is a short walk from our house. The journey to the office takes just over seven minutes. I work every day in the office until one o'clock. Then we come home for lunch, and then Gift goes back to the office. I go and meet the children and then help them to do their homework. In the evening, we, we have supper together. The Bible Translation Office in Entebbe is, is like a hub that provides services to the rest of the projects in this country. It provides consultant services in translation, 
in linguistics, finances, in computer support, supervision of the translation projects. This great team we have here in Uganda has one big goal, to see transformed lives of the people in this country through Bible translation into the language that people speak every day. I work in the area of literacy and scripture engagement. Most of my work involves producing materials in local languages to help people to read and write in their mother tongue and to help people to read and understand the Bible and apply it to their lives. Some of the materials I produce include calendars, wall charts for classrooms, Bible study guides, Bible story books, books of local stories and proverbs, and primers and teaching guides. My biggest challenge is that the team I work with are in language areas and to meet them face to face I need to travel for six hours or eight hours to meet them. It's a long distance and I'll have to be away from home for three to four days at least. Uh, in Uganda we have uh, five Bible translation projects and uh, all the five have finished the New Testament and three of them have just started doing the Old Testament. Then we have other four projects that are yet to start translation of New Testament. I enjoy living and working in Uganda. It has its challenges, getting used to having power cuts and water supply failures now and again. Look at the office, we're fortunate enough to have a generator. I don't have a training in translation. I don't have a training in linguistics. I'm a teacher by profession. Uh, my training is also in IT. So bringing those skills into Bible translation has been a great experience. The joy in this work is seeing the smiles in the faces of the people when they receive portions of the New Testament or of the Bible. Sometimes it's only a chapter and they're able to read it. That's, that has been my highlight every time. For me, it's a privilege to work here for Wycliffe. I'm excited that I can play a small part in enabling people to have books to read in their language. I get very excited when the books I've been working on together with my colleagues finally come back from the printer to unpack them from the box and see the work complete. As speakers of English, we are very blessed and fortunate to have at least 122 different versions of the Bible in our language. But what about those many people in the world that don't have a single verse of the Bible in their language? There's an injustice here. We are Bible rich, they are Bible poor. I feel very blessed to be part of Wycliffe Bible Translators to be able to do something tangible. There's no any other writing or any other publication like the Bible, which comes so powerfully and transforms lives. It transforms my life. I know it has transformed other people's lives. this this morning so there's several people yeah several people don't know of gift and Catherine so that's informational you can learn about them and you've never met them they came to us when we was at Briary several times and they were just part of our community for some time they've been home now there's some foot 
point, prayer points here. And after I've mentioned these prayer points, I'm going to ask Eileen if she'll come up and pray for Gift and Catherine. So that's a pre-warning, Eileen. Okay? These are things they've asked to pray for today. Catherine's visa is now in place and they plan to return after Easter. They've asked for prayer for the travel arrangements to go smoothly. The boys have exams this week. They have reached the point of preparing old, some Old Testament books for typesetting and other books for checking over translation with a Mr. Waller Tab. He's a translation consultant. And they've, so they've asked for good health and protection for Waller and his trainee with him. So Eileen, if you just come up to a microphone and pray for Gift and Catherine, because David and I have a little bit of a connection with them. Yes, Lord, we just come before you this morning. We want to thank you for Gift and Catherine, Lord, and for the work that they do in Uganda. Lord, we do just thank you that Gift has now got his visa and that he, they can all go back to Uganda. Lord, we know that they've been over here now longer than they anticipated, but we thank you for what you have done while they've been here. And we do just ask that you would be with them with all the travel arrangements as they seek to go after Easter back to Uganda and that their house and all the various other problems that they've been facing out there will have all been smoothed out. Lord, and we do pray, too, for the boys. They've got exams. Lord, we just thank you for them. They've been having to get up at 5 o'clock every morning here in England to be able to do their schoolwork. And, Lord, we know they've been very tired. And, Lord, we just pray that you would help them with their exams. Just clear their minds of anything else, Lord, and that they would really focus on what is in front of them and, Lord, that they would have good results. Lord, we just thank you for this. And we do just pray for the translator, Lord. Give them good health, Lord. And uh, just thank you for the work that's being done there, Lord. And we do just thank you again for Gift and Catherine and for the work that they're doing. Lord, just bless this family mightily in your name. Amen. Everybody said... Amen. Amen. Thank you, Arlene. We're now going to move to Christian Literature Crusade, but just a few comments before Iris comes and, and uh, updates us with uh, some news she wants us to pray about. Iris and Fred served in CLC bookshops in London and Canterbury, and with other short-term visits to other shops in this country and overseas as well. So they were entrenched in this ministry, and uh, it's still good to support them. <coughs> in what they're doing. Paul and Kay too managed the Canterbury Bookshop for some years and had great time and experience there, a very necessary role to fill until the shop closed. Iris praised regularly from the CLC magazine to support the work. Now Iris, if you'd just like to come and tell us what you want us to hear for today and if you can finish by praying for it. Um, yes, it's good to see the Bible Society because we're very much connected with them. They print the Bibles and we distribute them. So we have a lot to do with them. And uh, we've got bookshops all over the world, so it's very global. And, um, but 
the, I've had an email from CLC for a particular prayer project that we've, they're doing called UCAN. It's the CLC International UCAN prod, project at this time. And um, also we've got a bookshop in Moscow and one in Belarus. So we really need to pray for them. They're in difficult situations at this time and we hear from them regularly how upset they are by the situation. But um, what's happening with CLC now, they're distributing books and Bibles um, through, we've got bookshops in Poland and Romania and Hungary. And uh, they, uh, CLC are printing 60,000 copies of more than a carpenter in Ukraine language to be distributed through Hungary, Poland, and Romania. 100,000 Ukraine Gospels of John, and that they've got those from the Ukraine Bible Society, so that's good, and they've been able to distribute those. 2,000 children's Bibles from a publisher in Ukraine, just across the border from Poland, they've bought those. And CLC is um, purchasing a mixture of 2,800 children's Bibles in Ukraine, plus 500 copies in Russian. So these are all being distributed free to the um, refugees and anybody else that really wants one. And we've also purchased 1,000 Ukrainian New Testaments from the Ukrainian Bible Society. So the Bible Society is there as well. And uh, if the borders remain open and we have the funds, we hope to buy thousands more to be distributed in April. And CLC is currently printing 10,000 bilingual Ukrainian-Polish Bibles for children as well to be distributed in Poland. And also uh, 15,000 copies of a marvelous children's book called Blotch, and it's a tale of forgiveness and grace. And at this time, when so many children are traumatized and people have been so hurt, I think this, they're hoping this little book will be helpful in forgiveness, which is a hard thing to do from what people have been going through. So this is what's happening at the moment. And... Uh, it's it's a, a very difficult situation, as you know there. But I just think of the mums having a children's Bible, sitting with their children at night, maybe in a tunnel somewhere, reading the Bible to them and hoping and praying that this will bring peace and hope to, to the families and the children. There's a million children that are refugees now, and you can imagine what they're going through. So we're really hoping to keep... This is all being done by donations, mostly through people all connected with CLC like us, that, um, because it, you know, it, it costs a lot. CLC is a charity, and uh, they're a non-profit organisation, and the money that they um, comes through CLC in... Uh, is always ploughed back into um, uh, 
Bibles and books, um, Christian books. And I know many of you have been into CLC bookshops. Unfortunately, there aren't any in England now. It's all closed and we're just online. But as I say, they've got about 50 bookshops around the world in different countries. But at the moment, I thought it would be good to share this because it's so relevant for our time. Yes, okay. Yes, Father, we just thank you for your word that means so much to us. And we pray for these dear refugees. Many of them will have lost their Bibles. There's many Christians in Ukraine. And as they've been rooted out, we think of them and the children that are so traumatized. Lord, we pray for the non-Christians too, as these New Testaments and Gospels of John are distributed among the people as they come out into the different countries around. And Lord, we just ask that we know that your word is powerful. Powerful, Lord, as people read it to come to know you, and powerful too in the peace and the hope that it gives to us and to them. And I just pray, Lord, that these, all these books and Bibles will bring much fruit into the kingdom. And these people will be blessed and helped in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much, Iris, from CLC in Ukraine. Now, Peter, uh, Peter Stanley is also going to bring us a um, more specific story from Ukraine, and after that, he's going to lead us in prayer for that. Thanks, Pete. Uh, I've caught this uh, story online. I've been doing a lot of search online, and I've been following the Ukrainian story, as I'm sure everyone else here has been as well. And the story of a lady called Alina Brinza really caught my attention. I'm going to read a short, brief story about, about her and what she's, she's been through. So Alina's 39 weeks pregnant, uh, no longer decorating the nursery to welcome their newborn, but instead, she and her husband are gathering items and constantly racing to the bomb shelter. She says, we have to go to the bomb shelter with my little baby and our friend and my husband. We sit there and we have chairs, some warm clothes, we don't have heating, but we are thinking about it now. Described by Alina as she walked down to the storage area termed bomb shelter. Alina and her husband run to the bomb shelter four to five times a day. She says, we hear something happening in the air, something else that can be a rocket or a plane. We take our small daughter and run to our garage to this hole and we can sit in here for half an hour or three hours. Once gunfire ceases, they come out and run back home. Besides survival, all she can think about is how she is going to give birth in the middle of a war zone. I'm afraid, said Alina, and added, how can we get to the hospital? I don't know how that will be. Today we went to the hospital and they are also afraid, and they don't know what all tomorrow or the next two hours will bring. Alina is praying that there's a break in gunfire, giving her enough time to get to hospital. Meanwhile, many pregnant women across Ukraine are giving birth in underground bomb shelters at hospitals across the region. 
As to Alina, she's holding on to her faith and cancelling the noise of war for her one-year-old while focusing on welcoming a new life into this world. We want to give him the name Mark, said Alina. That's Alina's story, and through prayer and through much searching, I found, um, this was three weeks ago, I found uh, a conclusion to the story. I'm pleased to say it's a very happy one. So I'm pleased to be able to say that Alina has since given birth to Mark, and she managed to make it to hospital, saying, what mercy that day I could give birth to Mark in hospital in the light. So a truly harrowing story about a lady that was worried but had faith in Christ. And this verse from Deuteronomy 31.6. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord, your God, goes with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. And just a prayer. Christ Jesus, when all is darkness and we feel our weakness and helplessness, give us a sense of your presence, your love, your strength. Help us to have perfect trust in your protecting love and strengthening power so that nothing may frighten or worry us. For living close to you, we shall see your hand your purpose, and your will through all things. Amen. Thank you so much, Peter. Really hard, isn't it? Now, from Ukraine, we're going to Brazil. So Ivan's just going to come and tell us just a little bit about his, church, his home church in Brazil and what we can pray for, and he's going to end up by praying Maybe you can do that in Portuguese, Ivan, at the end, all right? <coughs> well, um, obviously, it's like everyone else shared here before. Um, we're quite blessed in Brazil with the churches at the moment because the um, majority of the population of the country are Christian. And then for actual my current church now, all the leaders, because I have been away from the country for 13 years already, so... For the majority of the um, leaders in my church now, they all went out, started their own ministry and own churches and everything. But um, I was thinking one of the challenges that the church faces now is the main thing is with division in the church. So sometimes um, the, um, the church um, faces that situation when there's divisions and they sometimes go off and kind of disturbs a little bit the the, um, the development of the church and what the church, what the, the main focus of the church is. And um, um, obviously, it's, one is division, one of the challenges that the church faces now, and the other is like um, the, um, when, uh, the diversity of the church, we don't want to lose that. So the division, for God to keep, stop the division and also but keep the diversity because how big the country is, we need that in Brazil. We need the church to, to, have, to be united. So, and also for the church not to lose the focus on the poor because sometimes things can get too big and um, they lose the focus on the poor and they tend to like be, uh, create an empire, empire rather than a church that we focus on the poor communities in the favelas, 
in the um, countryside where the difficulty to reach the um, poor people, basically. And then, yeah, so um, uh, the prayer is mainly these for against the division, if you can pray for against it, and also for the to keep the diversity, but not the but not the church to focus in the poor um, um, in the richness of making big, big, big temples and churches, but forgetting the poor people. That is very need in Brazil for everyone. So there's a three points that I'd like um, if you could pray. And um, if I can pray, do you want me to pray? Yes. Yes, Father, I'm so grateful for being here. And um, I can pray for the Brazilian church. There will be many things I could pray here that is the size of the country <laughs> because it's massive. And then we're quite blessed, blessed with the churches in there, for the Christianity in there, Lord Jesus, that nowadays um, we can export lots of missionaries. And there's, missionary, there's Brazilian churches planted in many places around the world. And it's starting from my church, because the fruits of the church I was there, I can see now with the many people that now are that gone off and plant their own church. But Lord, I just pray that the church continue, Lord, being united and um, that people continue, Lord, just focus and on you, on your presence, on bringing your kingdom, your love. And um, I just pray that they can focus, Lord Jesus, and rescue the poor. And also, Lord Jesus, that um, people can be, um, they, these people cannot be forgotten. And um, they, they made the church focus on serving and volunteering, Lord, and the leaders of the church also not just see this, the church as, as business, but they can see the church as a place where people need to be rescued and saved. And I just pray, Lord Jesus, that the church continue being focused on these, Lord, and the leaders in the church, in Jesus' name. Amen. Senhor, abençoa a igreja no Brasil. Abençoa que a igreja não perca a sua essência. Que a igreja permaneça firme para o alto, olhando para ti, e permaneça, Senhor, com o coração sedento para a Tua presença. Em nome de Jesus. Amém. Amém. Yes. <laughs> ok, well, time's running away with us, but a couple of things just quickly before we go into worshipping and we can just take in the global focus as we worship together because Jesus is the king of the whole earth. He is the Lord of the church. But just to mention a couple of other things just quickly. First of all, Nigeria. Now, Elaine's not here this morning, but uh, a few of us have been supporting Peter, particularly in Nigeria, for the work he does. And the last time he was home, he gave me a little leaflet that he hands out to Muslims quite often. And that can't be an easy thing sometimes. You're giving them Bible verses. Um, sometimes it can be an offense to people but he does this regularly just to bring people to come to know, to, to know Jesus. <clears throat> I have got it on. So um, I was going to pray for Peter and Elaine. Elaine is also um, connected to and has interests with uh, a ministry called the Grip of Salvation Ministry. Typically Nigerian is the name, but that brings up young people domestically, brings them up in a Christian environment, and it brings them up to educate them and to lead them on into, in, into um, careers that are really important in, in Nigeria. So I was going to pray for them. So I'm just going to ask John if you'll come and pray for Peter and his body. Just pray for him in 
Nigeria. Thanks, John. Father God, thank you so much for Peter and Elaine. Um, Lord, thank you that uh, you've given Peter some business acumen that enables him to um, produce um, a business that enables him to um, take the gospel into various places. Um, Lord, thank you that he sees that his business is a mission business. And Lord, thank you so much for uh, all the contacts that he's had and uh, his spirit that enables him, Lord, to reach uh, so many people in that country. Lord, he's not a young man, but Lord, um, your spirit and vigor is still within him. Lord, he still has a passion to reach his countrymen. And, and um, Lord, whilst in the south, um, Lord, the pressures from Islam are nothing like as bad as they are in the north. Nevertheless, Lord, thank you for his courage in taking the gospel to Muslim contacts. Lord, thank you for the, the relationships that he's built with people there. So, Lord, we, we ask you not only to bless them, but to protect them. Lord, things are, are getting worse in Nigeria, and the troubles of the north are drifting south. And, um, Lord, there's a, a lot more police on the streets and so on. And so, Father, we ask you to bless them and to protect them in these days. Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. And lastly, quickly, this is just a quick plug for the Compassion Ministry where you adopt a child and support them through life. You just have the last picture, Paul, number four, I think it is. This is Maria in Peru. It's a little girl that we support. And as I said at the first place, the, the option this morning, the, the point of this morning is that we might engage closely and more practically with missionaries or with something that God is doing somewhere else. This is Maria. We, we picked her up when we was at, um, at Briary, when we had the compassion. The lady came to tell us about compassion ministry. So I would just encourage maybe some of you just to connect with compassion ministry and adopt a child and support them financially and prayerfully. That is Maria. And with that, we just finished our global focus for this morning. So we just pray and then Pete will come up and just lead us on. We've got communion. We've got a lot to fit in, but we'll do it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father.